0: This is our fourth anniversary and I want to welcome you here. Uh, Thank you, Brian, for doing the slideshow for us. You made me cry, but not too much. Otherwise, this would be a mess right here right now. Um, But it's good to see you all here this morning. My name is Craig Jarvis. I'm the lead pastor here at Village Church East. And I got to tell you, you are here for an amazing day today. This is our fourth anniversary. The Lord has blessed us. Through these years and allowed us to make a difference in Carol Stream, and uh, make a difference in many lives of individuals in our church as well. I'm going to stand here because I think the light's better here. All right, just FYI for all those wonderful people in the back that are putting this online, and welcome to all of you that are online. Good to see you here this morning as well. Some of you haven't seen in like a year. It feels like a year I haven't seen you. That's supposed to be a joke. Uh, some of you, it has been a year, and uh, it's been good to. Uh, been good to plan this this morning so we can use this as a big regathering together again. Uh, we have some baptisms coming up, which is v- very cool. Uh, I want to tell you about one, one other thing that we're rolling out starting this week, and that is every Sunday I feel like there are probably some questions after I give a message that are kind of left hanging out there. And so uh, Pastor Michael over at Bartlett Church. Alex uh, is, is uh, ABC Church. Uh, I forget the, what that stands for. But anyway, we get together on uh, Mondays and do our sermon prep. We get the messages together. We deliver them on different campuses. You probably know we already do that. If you don't, there's something new for you. And on Monday, after the Sunday, we deliver the messages. Now, we are going to be doing a live, well, sorry, we're going to be doing a video stream, uh, a Q&A. So we're going to take the top three questions, and we're going to deal with those questions as we come out of each one of these messages. So my hope is that that rolls out this week. We've been doing quite a few of them already, just trying to get them to look right. Uh, And I think you're going to really enjoy them. Those are going to be right on vceast.org. You can link on there. They're only about 30 minutes long, 20 to 30 minutes long. Uh, So you can listen to them as you're driving or you can watch them on your free time. Uh, But these are going to be hopefully... uh, Ways that we can dig a little deeper into some of the messages that we do on Sunday, because I realize we don't get to touch on every single aspect that I would like to uh, in each of the messages. This gives us a chance to kind of do that after the message is finished. So, watch vce.org should roll out on Wednesday of this week. I'm crossing my fingers, hoping that's the case. Uh, and if you'd like to check that out, it's a video. Uh, it's a video uh, that you can watch, or you can just listen to the audio. That will be available as well. I want to take you back in time to 1998. Just seems like yesterday, doesn't it? So my new thing is I'm watching Magnum now, Magnum P.I., and I like the music. Da, 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 da You know that music right at the beginning? And I'm, I'm, I'm actually playing it in the car now, and Rebecca's going, I've never heard that song before. And I'm just like, oh, I failed as a father. I failed. 1998. It was a wonderful year. It was the year that we started discovering these wonderful things called cell phones. These were becoming such a popular thing in these days. And I found a message that I did in 1998. This is not that message, but I'm using an illustration from it because cell phones were a fairly new thing. This one is one of the first ones. It's a Nikia 5110. How many had this cell phone? Do you recognize this one? I had this one. And this one, interestingly enough, you wanna take a guess at how much this was when you bought it firsthand? Straight out of the store, nine hundred ninety dollars for this cell phone when it first came out. I know, I know. If actually, if you have one of these, uh, just FYI, I did do some research on it. They are worth about four hundred dollars if you've got one and you'd still if you'd like to sell it. All right, so that's just from me to you. Just give me a little check in the mail as a thank you. All right. We were amazed that we were going from car phones to these phones that we could carry around with us. We had personal phone numbers. All of us were thinking to ourselves, what do I do with the phone book? Am I going to I need this? you remember the phone books? I hung on for mine the longest time thinking to myself, no, it's coming back. Everybody's going to be using these. Amazing. In 1998, these were fairly new, and they were finding glitches in them. And one of the glitches, do you remember this, that they found is you could listen in on other people's phone calls. This is one of the new things that they were discovering and they're trying to shut down the audio waves so that people couldn't pick up other people's phone calls because you never know who was listening. It's a great illustration for you never know who's listening. It reminds me of a story of Paul and Silas. And as we prepare for baptism today, this is the story that kind of strikes at my heart this morning, this story actually is found in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are on a missionary journey together. This is Paul, the apostle's second missionary journey. He's going across Europe. One of the first converts, in fact, the first convert in Europe was a woman. Her name was Lydia. She was amazing. She, she was one of the, I think she was the very first convert in Europe. And, uh, and then from her, it was like dominoes. It was just like the, the word of God started taking over the, the culture at the time. Churches began to be established. The church began to be on fire. When this happened, people who sold stuff or who were making a living other ways that were similar to depending on God ways began to lose money. Because with all these people of faith, they started scaring those other people that use things like fortune tellers. And so one guy in Philippi had a slave who was a fortune teller, and he made boku money off of the slave. Paul and Silas met up with this slave, this little girl that could tell this, the people's fortunes. They met up with her, and she, she started looking at them and going, you're different, you're, you're missionaries, you're, you're messengers of the Son of God. And they told her to stop talking because she was, basically she was causing a disruption in their ministry, and they, they did not want the testimony of God coming from a demon-possessed person. And, and you know, if anybody knows who Jesus is, it's demons. And so Paul and Silas stopped right there and then they cast the demon out of this girl, the demon that could tell the future. (laughs) And then the owners found out and they got mad. They got so mad, they lied about Paul and Silas. You can read about all of this in scripture. They lied about them. They said that they were causing a disruption, which they were causing actually, and they had the magistrates throw them into prison. They were thrown into prison. They were bound by their hands and their feet. They were lied about. They were beaten with rods, and they were thrown into into prison, into jail, into a dungeon. This is where we pick up the story in Acts 16, verse 23. And when they inflicted many blows upon them, they threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. Listen, they were just trying to help out a slave girl, and now they're bound, hands and feet. I want to tell you, if there's anyone who has reason to feel a little bit let down by God, it would have been these guys. They're doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're carrying out the mission. They're giving up their lives. They're reaching other people for the gospel of Jesus Christ. And how are they thanked? They're thrown into prison, into a dungeon. They're beaten, and they're left there reason to feel discouraged, reason to feel betrayed by God, reason to feel like, let's reassess at this point our lives and figure out if we want to do this for a living because it doesn't look good going forward from here. But in the next verse, in 25, we're told what they were doing and it's none of that. Instead, in verse 25, we're told that Paul and Silas were, what were they doing, church? They were praying and singing hymns to God. Now, I understand the praying, God, get me out of this, right? You understand the praying, but the singing? Praying, I understand. And my guess is if they were singing, they weren't praying, God, get me out of this. In fact, I would guess that they were doing a whole lot of different things because the next phrase in verse 25 says this, and the prisoners were listening to them. That blows me away. The key phrase is, the prisoners were listening to them. It's not so much about the amazing attitude of the missionaries, as incredible as that is, to be in jail, to pray to God, to sing to God. After you've been beaten and left to die, you're singing to God. As amazing as that is, the incredible thing is, as they were singing, the prisoners were listening to them. There's no need to eavesdrop on a cell phone. You don't have to dial a certain number and and try and listen in incognito. These guys are filling the cell with the praises of God even though most of us would feel betrayed by God at this point. It was loud and it was out there and the praise of Jesus went a long way. Here's why I know that verse 26 says this. Suddenly there was a great earthquake. Oh, I love this. So the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds, how many bonds were unfastened? Everyone's. Verse 27, when the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing the prisoners had escaped. The jailer was distraught because Rome owned him. They owned his family. And it's one thing if he gets caught dropping the ball, what do, you, what do you mean all the prisoners escaped? Did you not catch any of them on the way out? What kind of an idiot are you? Like, We put you in charge down. You let them all go? They're all gone? Take off his head. That would have been normal. Like Rome would get rid of this guy, but you have to know they would go after his family next. They would wipe his DNA from the earth. And they would do it in the most horrific ways because they would make an example out of this jailer that did not live up to his job for Rome. And my guess is he was ready to take his life not because he was thinking to himself, yeah, it's not worth living, but because he didn't want to lose his family. If he took his own life, maybe he could disguise it and it would look like he'd get killed by one of the prisoners on the way out. See, he's thinking to himself, how do I get myself out of this? The jailer was desperate. The prisoners were free and the free man became a prisoner. Verse twenty-eight. But Paul cried with a loud voice, "Do not harm yourself, for we are all here." Are you blown away by that? We are all still here. And the jailer called for the lights. There's no this for the lights. You understand? Like, like, get the bick. We gotta light up the lights. The jailer called for the lights, and he rushed in. And trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas, and he brought them out and said to them, "Sirs, what must I do to be saved?" the power of the witness of Paul and Silas. The prisoners didn't leave. Can you explain to me why the prisoners didn't leave? Like any any suggestion at all? My guess is Paul and Silas had such an amazing testimony in that prison that night that not only did they affect the jailer, but they also affected every prisoner in their cells. Why? Because the prisoners were listening. Listening for anything. Any hope? How low do you have to get to be in a dungeon, beaten, and left to die? That's about as low as you can go. And they're sitting there listening for any sign of hope. And when these two strangers came in with a weird dialect and they get thrown into prison and all they can do is pray out loud to God and sing praises to God, you bet it caught the prisoners' attention. They were listening. And the jailer threw himself down and realizes his life has been saved. These guys were not just praying and singing. Listen, they were filling the prison with the gospel. The question asked by many a searching soul was asked by this jailer who knew he has been saved by these people he had just beaten. And he said to them, the people he had beaten, please tell me, what must I do to be saved? Verse 31. I love this. They said to the jailer, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. They spoke the word of God to him and to all who were in his what church? The jailer took the prisoners home. How many jailers take their prisoners home? This jailer has been impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Paul and Paul and Silas. After, after they shared the gospel with the jailer, the jailer said, this thing, this, this message of the gospel has impacted my life so much, I have to take it to the people that I love the most. And he said, please come home with me. And Paul and Silas go, sure, we'll come. Do you think the other prisoners went too? I, I don't know, I wonder. Like, everybody party at my house. Something has moved Dad has gotten saved. Dad has gotten changed. And dad goes home and tells his family, I've met these guys. They have shared the gospel of the living God with me. I know about Jesus Christ, the one who has died for my sins. I know I have salvation through Jesus Christ. These guys know it. Share with my family. And the whole family receives Jesus as their savior. He had to share it with the people most important for me because they were listening for his witness. Children, listen for the witness of their parents. You know this because they count all of your wrongs, right? And they see all of the rights. They see what God is doing in your life. The rest of this family didn't automatically get saved. They they believe because of the testimony of their dad. They believe because of what God has done in the life of their father. We're about to baptize a dad and his daughter today. This dad has gotten serious about his faith like few people I've ever known. God has answered the prayer of this family. His life has been changed. So you know the first thing he did? He goes back to his family and says, I'm changed. And they say, prove it. And he's been proving it this whole time. It's amazing how God has used Chris. This guy that you're going to see in a few minutes now works with us on a setup team on Sunday morning. He's one of the reasons those of you that are home get to hear what you hear at home. He's part of our team. And because of his testimony, I visited with the family and Mia, his oldest daughter, who you will meet in just a moment, has said, you know, I'd like to get baptized too. I'd like to get serious about my faith. You see, there's something about the gospel that changes lives so that when people around us from small circles to large circles listen to us, they watch us, they see what God is doing. Faith of this father has encapsulated his home. The prayers of a mother has been answered. The prayers of a friend who is here with us today, his name is John, flew in today because he's been planting seeds in Chris's life and planting seeds in Chris's life, and now he's about to see that tree break out of the soil. Both father and daughter had to make a decision themselves to make their lives right with the Lord to decide to follow him, and both of them have responded to the gospel, and both of them will go through the waters of baptism out of obedience to Jesus Christ, declaring they are no longer their own, but they belong to Jesus now. That's what baptism is all about. It's about listening to the witnesses and watching the chains break free. Look what happens after this, verse 33. And he took them the same hour of the night and washed their wounds, and he was baptized at once, he and all his family. And he brought them up to the house and set food before them and rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God. The hands that inflicted the wounds now dress the wounds. Why? Because Jesus makes that much difference. Jesus just makes that much difference. This is a testimony of somebody that accepted the Lord and now wants to show it through baptism and all of his family followed his example because people are listening. People are listening for the witness of what God can do. Church, people still are listening for the witness of what God can do. Oh, we live in a world that desperately needs to hear some good news. The word gospel is good news. People are listening for the witness of what our God can do. So why do we baptize at Village Church East? We baptize at Village Church East because we just continue what they're doing in the New Testament baptism is all about belonging when i asked beth to be my wife on our wedding day we had a ceremony i got in front of a bunch of people and it's like i was screaming to everybody i have chosen this woman to be my wife for the rest of my life you remember the till death do us part bit right is that too long ago for you to remember sickness and in health richer for poorer oh what a ride death to us part right I am declaring to everybody that I am no longer a single man. I belong to my wife until death do us part. And just in case I forget, I get a ring. This is my reminder and your reminder, I belong to someone else. Baptism, it's about belonging. It's a moment, a formal moment of time when after we believe Jesus Christ is our savior, when after we say, Lord Jesus, I give my life to you, rescue me from the sins that I've committed my entire life, baptism is a formal moment where we declare it publicly. It's a public declaration of a private decision. Matthew 28, Jesus tells us to do this in verse 19. He says to the church, to us, go therefore, and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you and behold I am with you always to the end of the age you can't baptize someone in Jesus until they are a disciple of Jesus in the bible it's always in this order it's always believe baptize added to the church it's always in that order and that's why when we baptize, we do so after somebody responds to the, what must I do to be saved? You must accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. After that moment, there comes a time for a public declaration of that private decision. It is a verbal identification. That's why when, you, when we do this today, you'll see we have people share their stories. This is what God has done in my life. This is how he's changed me. You'll get to hear that. It's a verbal declaration just like you would see at a wedding, same deal. It is a visible identification. We typically uh, use the water as our visible identification. And typically we're in a place where we can dunk them right under the water. This time we have to do it in this room and we'll talk about that more in a minute. But the visible picture is that you go under the water, you die with Jesus. You stay under the water, not very long, but that's being buried with Jesus. And you come up out of the water and that's a symbol of what? Rising with Jesus, you are verbally identifying with Jesus, you are visibly identifying with Jesus, and you are virtually identifying with Jesus. The word baptism actually in extracurricular extracurricular literature outside of the Bible means submerged. It means that in the Bible too, but they use it outside of the Bible when they dunk their uh, dishes in the water and wash them off. Or when a ship sinks, in the Greek they say the ship was baptized. It's completely underwater. And in scripture, when you see any baptism taking place, if there's any details given about it, it's always, there was a body of water there. Jesus got baptized in the Jordan River. There's always a body of water. Why? Because you go down and you come up out of the water. And that's why we dunk here at Village Church East. That's external. But internally, this is the line you draw in the sand. You're declaring that your life is no longer your own. You are bought with a price and you wish to glorify God in your body. Baptism is identifying with the message that Jesus preached. You're saying not only do I agree with Jesus' message, but I am on board with all of it. You're saying I'm drawing a line in the sand. No turning back. No turning back. You are... No longer your own, but your life belongs to Jesus Christ. That's why we celebrate baptism so much. Because it is is such an amazing formal, internal declaration, and external picture of being one with Jesus Christ. Now listen, what baptism does not do, number one, it does not make us more holy. You could get baptized a hundred times and you'll just get more wet. It does not make you more holy. When you accept Christ as your Savior, you are filled with the Spirit of God. If you get hit by a bus and you're not baptized, you still go to heaven. Why? Because God makes you holy through the blood of Jesus Christ. In Scripture, you are spiritually baptized in his blood. So going through the waters of baptism is a formal, visual, verbal declaration, but it does not make you more holy. You are, If you know Christ as your Savior, you are a saint of God already. You are holy. Jesus does that. We don't do that. Number two, it does not make God love you more. <laughs> God couldn't love you more than He already does. God couldn't love you more than He already does, church. For God so loved the world, He gave His only Son. That happened 2,000 years ago. And he knew all about you back then. God couldn't love you any more than he already does. There's nothing you can do to get more love from God. There's nothing you can do to make him more pleased with you. Number three, it does not give you a one-way ticket to heaven. (laughs) Baptism does not guarantee you... (laughs) A ticket into heaven. Otherwise, when the jailer would have come before Paul and thrown himself in front of Paul and said, what must I do to be saved? Paul would have said, let's get you baptized, Jim. But he didn't. What did he say? The most important thing is believe on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. You have to believe. Believe always comes before baptism. That's why we don't baptize infants here. They cannot believe. They cannot make that decision on their own. You have to come to -to face-to-face point, an eyeball, eyeball point with Jesus Christ where you say, I'm either in or I'm out. That is your decision to make. Just like this jailer's family, each one made their own decision, but the Father influenced them. You have been influenced by Jesus Christ. He has pursued you every day of your life and you must make a decision whether or not you're gonna follow him or not. That's the most important decision you make. Baptism is only a declaration of a private decision. Belief comes first. It's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. Today we can't dunk. I'm disappointed about that. But we are going to do the next best thing. We're going to dunk the living daylights out of them when they get in this pool down here. It's not the method that has the magic. It's the message of the gospel that you're about to see when you hear these powerful testimonies and then you see this visible, powerful demonstration of lives that are sacrificed to Jesus Christ who are sacrificing their futures to serve and to love Jesus. The witness is the thing. We are the prisoners in the cells listening to the voice of two beaten missionaries singing in the dark. Listen, church, you never know who's listening. People are listening to more things today than I've ever thought of before. I never thought it was possible. The internet, as as much of a blessing as it is, is just as much of a curse. People are listening to anything. Forget trying to dial into a cell phone number and listen to what your neighbor's saying. You can literally listen to anything anyone's saying online at any time, and everybody wants to be a star. It's about time we listened to the truth. It's about time we had some, some good food to feast on. We're not giving you something juicy this morning. We're giving you something real. This is the whole reason for baptism. People are listening. Prisoners are listening. Listening to the witness. And today is about listening to the truth. That's why we're putting it online. That's why we're archiving this. That's why we're doing it in this room. So, so that we can, we can encapsulate this moment of change. And we can give the truth to anyone who will listen. Straight from the mouths of those who have been changed by God's grace. Are you ready to listen for the witness of what God has done? I am ready. All right, come on up, guys. I want to introduce to you a couple of different people here this morning. Yes. Uh, It'll come. We'll get it up here. You got us here? All right. (laughs) This is Chris McHugh, uh, and Chris is going to go first. This is Mia, his oldest daughter, and this is John, a long friend of the family who has been like Johnny Appleseed, planting seeds and planting seeds, and uh, has been very influential in their lives. I'm so glad you can be with us here this morning, John, all right? All right, you ready? I'm ready. Chris is going to share with us what God has done in his life and how God has changed his life, and Chris, you go first, brother. Hop in. Hop in? Yep. Kick these off. So
1: this is what it feels like, uh, Price is Right, coming down here. <laughs> <laughs> Actually feels like if I were to win the lottery. That's more akin to what it literally feels like. All awesome. oh, kidding aside. So I'm going to do my best to get through this. <clears throat> of, uh, we've all endured probably the worst year that any of us could have uh, imagined about a year ago. And I feel I'm hesitant to say that this has been... Without a doubt, the best year of my life. So many things happening. So many things, So many good blessings. Like it's it's almost that I'm not worthy, but I do feel worthy. Uh, coming here, being a part of this is beyond any any dreams I, I could have possibly imagined. Uh, quick story of how I got here. Uh, born and raised Catholic. No slight on anybody that's Catholic. It's all because of that that I'm here today. But I spent most of my life. Looking, probably unknowingly looking for a relationship with Christ, but it was always fleeting. Looking back, I probably spent more times trying to disprove it that I didn't have to take the jump of faith or have to believe it. Uh, most of the time, I wasn't aware that I'm searching. I was searching for purpose and feeling, but I was oblivious that I was mostly a participant. I was not a participant. I was an observer in my life, almost in third person. Drugs, alcohol, any debaucherous behavior, uh, These things, works of the flesh that were trying to fill the void. Uh, Wish I would have read Galatians 5 at the time. Had these fruits of the spirit at my disposal. Uh, It didn't come till later for me. But we got there eventually. (laughs) Another crazy thing, the infinite number of things that had to happen just so for me to be here today. Going back, you know, because of Craig that I'm here. Only reason I met Craig is because of my neighbor Annette through Wa, that her daughter met his daughter the only reason we're at Wa, that she's at Wa, is because when we moved into the neighborhood, we just assumed we were going to go to St. Francis. Our neighbor said, oh, you should check out WAA, Wheaton Academy. And then when we got to Wheaton Academy, we said, Annette, oh, Annette, you should do this too. And the, the, the number of uh, ripple effects goes back infinite. So that in itself is, is just one little proof of the miracle that why I'm here, that we're all here. And when I start to look back for the truth... When I'm looking for the truth, instead of trying to find ways to disprove it, that's when the magic started to happen. At first, when I met Craig, things clicked slowly. Uh, I didn't know if I believed him. Uh, Seemed very charismatic, engaging. uh, Wanted to hear what he had to say. But in the back of my mind, there was a skeptic. Too good to be true. Wants your money. But he's really got this thing down. God. (laughs) (laughs) And I flat out told you to your face in in my living in my kitchen. I said, uh, I haven't finished my background check on you. I said, but but it should come soon. (laughs) And I say that kidding me, but it literally happened like that. And I think there's so many different things, but if I could pinpoint one thing where everything clicked, like just the biggest lightning. Telling my story to Craig, uh, yeah, it's sad at at the onset, but it it started to feel good about all of the the trials, tribulations, the disappointments, even though most were self-induced. Uh, there's stories of, of, like I said, drugs, alcohol, being in jail, like awful things. His eyes well up with tears as as I'm saying this, but I'm laughing, not laughing because it's funny, but laughing because I've learned from that. It's in the past. And the words that are ingrained in my mind forever, he said, bro, I've been doing this a long time, and rarely do I find somebody that Christ pursues so relentlessly as he has you. And that, I mean... It's just like everything, everything came and made sense. It's like the curtain was lifted up. I look back, and prior to that, all these scattered dots. Yeah, some good fortune, some good things, but they didn't make sense. And slowly but surely, the veil is lifted, and all these dots are in perfect line, and they make complete sense the whole time, where everything was right in front of me, that it was me letting go and getting over fear. Fear and anxiety have been a constant in my life, as the saying goes, it fears the belief that God is a liar. Uh, a couple of passages, Philippians 4, verse 6, don't be anxious about anything. And recently in, in Matthew 6, it's, it's played a big role in my life, and the, the, the story is so relatable to so many parts. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put into it. Is life not more than food, and is the body not more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet the Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you no, of, of no more value than they are? I say that to John all the time. I am, may not be better than any bird, but they are not better than me. I'm just as. Uh, it's not been just the fear and faith stuff uh, trying to focus on. It's being the man that Christ wants me, to be, wants me to be in all areas of my life. I know that if I continue to put My care, everything in his care and protection, 100%, it'll all be good. Uh, Not a Bible passage, but a story that John's told me for years. One of my favorite stories about God being the quilt maker. God is the quilt maker, the master plan. He lines it up. He lines the colors, the pattern, how big it is, what it's going to be. Our job is only to put the next stitch in. That's it. Not to take a look back, offer advice. Oh, it should be this color, go this way, or we should do that. Nope, has nothing to do with that. My only job is to do the next right thing, put the next stitch in, and put my complete trust uh, in his care and protection. And with that, I want to keep stitching. I want to get wet. All
0: right. All right. John, jump in there for a second. I'd like for you to uh, tell us, can you grab the microphone? microphone. Sorry. John, uh, would you introduce yourself and just tell us your relationship to Chris? Sure. I'm uh, John McMahon. And... Chris used to work at
2: Walgreens, and I was uh, a drug seller, a drug peddler, <laughs> I guess you'd say. Uh, legal drug dealer today, I like to say. Um, and we had this, this it, it started from the first time we really met, and uh, I went in and uh, called on him, didn't know him, and uh, I had, had seen the movie Fireproof. And that movie just had an impact on me, and we were in there talking, and I didn't know if he loved God, knew God, I didn't really care, um, and I talked to him about it, and I said, yeah, man, it's about a, a guy who's getting his life together and his family's kind of falling apart, and God kind of comes in. And I remember uh, later on in life, or you, know, you fast forward about nine months, he said, man, I thought you were, like he said about him, one of those smooth-talking-south guys. <laughs> kind of God. Yeah, talking about God, trying to use it as a sales pitch. Uh, but come to find out, that was the start of a, a really cool thing that got us here today. That really got us here today. and The one thing I've said to Chris over and over, uh, it seems like today people want to be loved, comforted, and understood. Well, God asks us to love people, comfort people, and understand people. And that's really the message today. That's what Chris has done time and time again. And we've had some, some great times together, and now he's making this huge decision, and I get to be here and be a part of it with his daughter, too, so... It's really cool, and if I don't get to say anything about Mia, I told her I was going to say this, probably about seven, eight years ago, I came and stayed with them at the house and stuff. Our friendship had to grow, or was growing and so forth, and I remember before they went to bed, we all got on our knees and prayed that night. And it was just a super cool thing for me to get to pray with another family and the kids were all for it. You know, they were all for it. And, uh, and now to see her get baptized, it's really, really super blessing. So um, I'm proud of you, man. love Hello, you. Brothers. Let's get
0: wet. <laughs> Thank you, Diana. All right. Yeah, get down. All right. This is our first time doing this, so I don't get to dunk you, but we're going to do the next best thing, all right? Chris, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Absolutely. Do you want to follow him for the rest of your life? Do you pledge to give your life to him no matter what happens in the future? Without a doubt. All right, then, based upon your testimony of faith in Jesus Christ and in accordance with his plan, me and John baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. (laughs) All right, we go. Good job, man. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Mia, where are you? Come on over, Mia. Charlie wants the mic.
3: That was really good. good. Um, hi. I'm Mia. Okay. Um uh, <laughs> So, like my dad said before, born and raised Catholic, nothing not a slight to there. um going through private school ups and downs, just came to the end in seventh grade, just I questioned like, "Is there even a God? is he there like what even is it? Like I was questioning it, and so I can now looking back how my dad said, like the scattered points all lining up. Um, my, my parents made the decision to transfer my sister and I to our public um, grade schools and best decision ever <laughs> because that's how I further learned about Wheaton Academy because I first knew of my neighbor when we first moved in that like, oh, their sons went there just I didn't think twice about it and then now I'm thinking back like got to meet more people going there and just it was like, oh, wow, this is going to be great and then just... Keep just like 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 my dad said, scattered points all lining up, just really awesome and when I first heard that he was going to be baptized, I'm like, oh like I, I I thought about it in the shower all all places where I do a lot of thinking um so I'm just like, okay let's I've thought about it, so I texted my best friend and I asked him like hey what it what what would it be like if I were baptized And his when he responded he's like yes, do it. And so I did a lot of thinking. Um, I remember I was looking up youth something with youth group on the church's website, and I came across the baptism thing, and I filled it out, and the next day at service, uh, Pastor Craig goes, oh, am I going to see you at class? Like the info class, and my parents were like, what? <laughs> and so I'm just like, yeah, just something I was thinking about, just yeah, and with Wheaton Academy, I'm a dancer, and I later learned that Dance is an amazing form of worship. And freshman year, making the dance team. And just and the coach's name is Mrs. Wolfel. My sophomore year, we did a dance to the song called The Breakup Song. And going all back to the whole fear and anxiety in Philippians 4-7, the song talked about how, fear, you don't own me, you have no room in my story. And just knowing that God has it all in control. Like, just... He will take it from here no matter what I think is going to happen. I don't know. I just got to just let go and let God. And this one movie that my family had recently watched was God's Not Dead, and we happened to watch the third one. And the one thing that the, the two characters said, it was a pastor and his friend from some part of Africa, and he goes, God is good always and always. God is good. So I'm completely ready to just hand it all over to God and just let him take control. Amen.
0: Good. All right, you ready? All right. Mia, have you accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? Yes. Do you know that your heart belongs to him, and do you want to follow him for the rest of your life? then based upon your profession of faith and in obedience to his word i baptize you my sister in the name of the father and the son and of the holy spirit good job man. good job <laughs> oh, yeah. well all right give me the camera there it is all right i've never done that before I am so pleased that you guys are good to go. Nice, nice job. Um, You'll get to see them. They're going to go get changed. Uh, They'll come back so you can get to spend some time with them and just tell them how proud you are of them. I can't think of another better way to celebrate our four-year anniversary than to see God use our church in the lives of these new believers and for them to give testimony of their desire to follow him for the rest of their lives through believers' baptism. That is a good day. Let's sing. We'll praise the Lord together, and then uh, I've got some closing thoughts for you. Let's uh, let's worship the Lord together as a band comes up. Would you stand as we sing, please?